Welcome to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. You're listening to Faith FM Radio. You know, it's sometimes you get caught off guard when you're in the studio and you realize, oh no, 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 you're on. And I'm still trying to get the microphone. We have, we have these things in on in the studio called pop filters, and so hopefully you don't hear too many loud p noises coming out when we use the letter P because you have a pop filter. Anyway, it, it stops the breath from going straight into the microphone, but I was still adjusting it there. So <laughs> now that that's out of the way, how are you today? Yeah, I've been enjoying the good weather. It's so balmy at the moment. It's just lovely. No, oh, it's good. It's been really nice to have some warmer weather and it's been nice to not be just like inundated with floods. Like I'm glad that we've got rain and we've had that, but it's nice to have some sunshine because let's be honest, man. Wintertime is, it can be a bit tough on the emotions, a little bit of yeah. seasonal affective disorder, a yes. little bit of just getting a little bit bummed about the cold. Yeah. My house is freezing, so I'm looking forward <laughs> for, to summer already. Absolutely. For me, you know, it's actually drying washing. So silly, but I don't have no, a No, it's not dryer, silly so at all. I'm always like, oh, oh no, I didn't do a wash this morning, which means no wash till tomorrow, all the problems. Yeah, it's fit. I life, can hear life. everyone who's driving <laughs> home right now nodding in their cars. I can hear you nodding right now. I know it. You, you, know, you can relate to this exactly. Everybody struggles to get their washing dry. Yeah. Except if you, you know, use a dryer, I suppose, but I'm not in that category Mm-mm. of people. So that's life. But anyway... How are, like what else has been happening in your world? Give me a thirty second rundown Ooh. of how you're going on waking up early. Oh no, I can't. <laughs> that's a tricky one. I wasn't expecting that. Well, I've had an injury to my foot recently, and I was getting up early so I could walk before um, I could go to the show and before I did anything. But I don't have to because I can't at the moment, which isn't good. So that means I have been sleeping in. I still want to get up early. I didn't know you were going to ask me today. Kind of caught out. How about you, Robbie? Well, I was going to say one of my favorite quotes ever outside of the Bible is, you can have excuses or results, but you can't have both. That's so <laughs> true. That's so true. But anyway, I, I say that, and I'm only saying that in jest, because I've been struggling to get up early as well and uh, needed to getting a, a bit more exercise. But anyway, life is good. Otherwise, I suppose it's a great day outside. So yeah, um, yeah things are good. Things are good. But Absolutely. today, we have a great show lined up for you guys. We are super excited to be hearing a bit of our testimony segment from one of Beck's neighbors yes. named Courtney. So I'm excited that... That, that, to hear that. I'm mean, yeah. super excited to hear that. And um, we have been doing our Heroes of Faith series for quite quite a while now, about mm-hmm. five weeks or so, mm-hmm. if I remember yeah. correctly. But today, we're going to be looking at a different kind of character. So we have looked at so far heroes that are men, heroes that are women. We have looked at heroes that are teenagers. We have looked at teenage, uh, not teenagers, looked at heroes that are old and everywhere in between. But we haven't looked at any children yet. And yes. so today, drum roll please, we are going to be taking a look at the youngest prophet in the Bible whose name was Samuel. So hang on to your hats. Lord of all creation Of water, earth and sky Heavens are your sanctuary Glory to the Lord on high God of wonders beyond our galaxy You are holy, holy The universe declares your majesty You are holy 
That was terrible. We were on air. Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. I was clearing my throat. Um, it has come that time of the show for what a weird and wonderful world that we yes. live in. So what do you have for us today, Beck? Yeah. I'll try not to cough over all of your talking. <laughs> no, that's okay. Just before that, it's so interesting. I just discovered, I was listening and I was like, who is this? I know this. Oh, Colin Buchanan. This is my childhood. This is play school. I was listening to him sing. It was just right, right there. So that dude who sang that song was in play school? Yeah. So he did play school. And oh, wow. So, yeah. So I he did a lot, of, a lot of Christian songs, but it was so interesting. I was like, I recognize this voice. That's actually a really cool fact. Yeah. I didn't know that. I've never actually seen play school because they don't have it in America. Oh, yeah. But everybody raves about it in mm-hmm. Australia, so I, I assume it's good. Yeah. 
Well, when you're a kid, it's good. Yeah. A little bit boring, maybe. At least one of the guys was good because he was, (laughs) look, he was sharing some really cool stuff there in that song. Yeah. Anyway, back to you. (laughs) So, back to my weird and wonderful facts. So, I have picked a continent. Oh, yes. So, one guess. One guess. Of what the continent is. Can you give me a hint? Oh, please give me a hint. Give me a hint. Oh, come on. Come on. There's seven continents. Give me a hint. The seven. Yeah, one of seven. Well, what have I done something of before? Do people live on this continent? Yeah. It's Antarctica. <laughs> yes, it yes, is. Yes, all Good right. Good job. Good job. I actually have a friend that I went to the climbing gym with this week, and um, and he actually is memorizing all of the country capitals in the world at the moment. That's amazing. And we went through a list of Europe, and mm. he did all but three just like that. And then That's we went crazy. to Asia, and he did about the same. That's amazing. It was, it was incredible. So yeah. let's hear some more about Proxy. Antarctica. Sorry, Antarctica. I don't know that there's actually a capital in Antarctica. Anyway. So Antarctica is the world's largest desert. Yes, it is. Yes, because its annual precipitation can be less than 51 millimeters, but it's also a Annually less than 51 mils of rain yes. on the continent yep. of Antarctica. Yeah. That's less than two inches. It's crazy. It's the coldest, driest, and windiest continent in the world. But it's a paradox because it's also covered by a permanent ice sheet, which contains 90% of the Earth's fresh water. So it's very wet, kind of. Yeah, it's very dry, <laughs> well, it contains, but it has it contains H2O, water. but yeah. it doesn't contain it in water format. Absolutely. It contains it in, in, in a solid form. Okay. This one was new to me. I didn't know this. The southernmost active volcano on Earth is in Antarctica, and it spews out ice crystals. Wow. I know. I didn't this know is, that. This, this is super interesting. This is quite the conundrum. <laughs> yeah. How can you be that cold and that hot at the same time? This is crazy. <laughs> this is something for the people who go there. Uh, since surgeries are not performed in any of the research stations, same as going to space, but you're not allowed to work in Antarctica unless you have your wisdom teeth and your appendix removed. Wow. Yeah. So you have to be prepared because there's no surgeries there. So, so those are the only kind of surgeries they're expecting. I, don't, apparently. I, I would think that a, a, you know, a slip or a fall on the ice and a cracked hip or something would call for surgery as well. And probably more likely than your appendix going. But that's, that's true, interesting. But, but they can't um, like prevent that in terms of having a preventative surgery, can they? Oh, okay. That's valid. Yeah, that's yeah, valid. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought about that one. Okay. This one is cool. Quite a few of the sea creatures who live in Antarctica, who, which live, they have natural antifreeze in their bodies. What? To stop them freezing. And they're in the form of proteins. You are kidding me. That's so, amazing. At the moment, the proteins are being studied by scientists to see how they can use them as non-polluting de-icer for cars and machinery. Wow. Because what they do is they slow down the formation of bonds between water molecules so that they don't freeze in, in fish. And so they don't form ice crystals because the the bonds. And so that's in cold water animal, like uh, cold blooded. Excuse me, only in the fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. So they're also looking into it because they could be used to prevent food freezing, um, and to preserve delicate organs during organ transplants. Hmm. So yeah, that was really interesting. That's super cool. Before. the coldest temperature ever recorded on Earth was in Antarctica on a Russian station in 1983, and the people woke up to a frosty negative 89.2 degrees Celsius. Negative 89. Yeah. Far out. Can you imagine? Is that, and that's probably before wind chill. 
Yes. Yeah. I have that was, no idea. That's a good guess. <laughs> you know, wind chill is a fascinating thing. The, the, the feeling that the air temperature is colder because there's a breeze. And um, we actually talk about this a lot in, in the outdoor industry yeah. because it actually has a huge impact on kind of the equipment that you need to have with you for any venture. Mm-hmm. So the... Yeah, and and because it's a very flat place and very dry, I imagine that gets an incredible amount of wind. Yeah, it does. Ah, that leads perfectly in. The strongest winds on Antarctica, called catabactic, can reach speeds of up to 320 kilometers per hour, which is higher speed than a jumbo jet needs to take off. Yeah, that's kind of like, um, good luck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, crazy. Don't go outside. Yeah, absolutely. Man, I thought, so this is great. We were talking about spring earlier and how it's nice that winter's over and it's been sunny, but... <laughs> I imagine that it's it's essentially permanent winter. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Wow. Essentially, yeah. But there is some benefits. This is something um, Antarctica is the only continent with no reptiles. So you're not going to get bitten so by So no snake. snakes. It's okay, <laughs> Liam. Our producer was telling me a story about snakes today. He's not a big fan. But it's okay. In Antarctica, you don't have to worry about snakes. Just freezing cold wind, removing your appendix, etc. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So there were just some interesting <laughs> facts about Antarctica that I wanted to share today. I hope that people were um, amazed by some of them as I was, like the volcano spewing out ice. Oh, that's fascinating. Those are some cool paradoxes. It's amazing that uh, that God can make two two things that are so opposite work in equilibrium in that space. This is Booth Brothers. He saw it all. Some business affairs I heard a commotion A couple streets over And wondered what's happening there A young man was running From in that direction And stopped just to catch his breath I asked him to please tell me What was the hurry He smiled up at me And he said Trying to catch the crippled man Did he run past this way? He was rushing home to tell everyone What Jesus did today And the mute man was telling myself And the deaf girl he's leaving To answer God's call It's hard to believe But if you don't trust me Man, he saw it all. Ask the blind man, he saw it all. My friend, if the troubles and burdens you carry are heavy and dragging you down, and you've tried everything you can possibly think of. There's no relief to be found That very same Jesus that altered the future of the blind man, the deaf and the lame Is still reaching out in your hour of trouble One touch and you're never the same And you'll be trying to catch the crippled man Did he run past this way? 
God's call. It's hard to believe, but if you don't trust me, ask the blind man, he saw it all. Ask the blind man, he saw it all. segment today I've decided to interview one of my friends Courtney and she's my next door neighbor where I'm studying and she has a testimony to share which I know will be a blessing to people so Courtney tell me a little bit about yourself so my name's Courtney House um, I'm 24 and I'm a mum of three beautiful children uh, we are originally from Victoria but we've just recently moved to Kurumbong where my husband studies ministry and theology okay cool so Tell me a little bit, the, the question we like to ask listeners is, tell me a little bit about your life before Jesus, and also how did you come to know Jesus? Okay, well, growing up, I didn't know Jesus. Um, I was raised in a home that was atheist, and my parents divorced when I was five. Uh, there was a lot of abuse from both parents, which led me to be a very anxious person. Mm-hmm. I would spend most of my weekends with my grandmother, um, and they were some of my best memories. I lived between my parents, and it was really hard because they hated each other so much. Mm-hmm. As a teenager, I got into the wrong groups of people and I started drinking and smoking and I eventually started to use drugs. From doing this, I was still sad and depressed and I would made some very poor decisions and ruined the trust of my family and friends. Okay, so you had, um, just thinking about your childhood, um, you had quite a lot of things impacting mm. you and so you told me you used to live between houses? Yeah. 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 So where did you used to live sometimes? I think the majority I spent with my mother and then on the weekends I'd go stay with my dad and my dad lived with my grandmother. And yeah, just doing the drugs and stuff, I realised that the friends I had, they weren't really good friends and you know I couldn't trust them and I'd become to feel more anxious and I remember having thoughts of maybe ending my life yeah. um, and that things would be easier if I'd just been, you know, gone. Yeah. Um, I uh, grew up in the same town as my now husband. Um, I'd always sort of known him, but we weren't, we were sort of in similar friend groups, but we didn't know each other that well. Um, One day I asked him for a lift home and he agreed. So, um, and then from there we just started to talk and hang out and we both smoked marijuana, so we'd spend most of our time doing that. During that time of getting to know Broden, his parents were overseas on a holiday. And when they came home, I met them and they were so nice and welcoming. Um, when I found out that was Seventh Day Adventist, I didn't really think much of it. Did you know? Had you heard about Seventh Day Adventist? No, I had no idea. Okay. Yeah. I was just so happy to be in a nice, loving environment mm. you know, and to show, you know, a good to witness what a good family environment was. Yeah. And um, Broden always spoke about God, and we would watch lots of sermons and listen to prophecy seminars, and most of the time we were under the influence, but. I guess I was still learning. Yeah, wow. That's amazing. God can work through um, through anything, right? Yeah. And so even though you were in that situation, maybe it wasn't ideal with um, yeah. under being under the influence, God still was speaking to you and trying yeah. to reach you. Yeah. During that time, I'd lived with my nan and my dad, and they'd noticed how happy I'd become just, you know, from being at Broden's house and how more relaxed I was. Um, 
I'm not sure from memory how it went, but I eventually start, moved into Broden's house, um, and my dad and nan were happy for me to do this. Okay, yeah. yeah. How old were you? Probably 16. Okay, yeah. 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 So Broden and I always had separate rooms, though, and by this time I was about, yeah, 16, and I started to go to a Christian college, but I was still doing drugs, smoking and drinking, probably when I come home from school. But living there, I'd been more exposed to, you know, God things. Yeah. We had church camps, we went to church, we mm-hmm. had Bible studies, you know, morning and evening worship. It was really good. And, you know, we met lots of loving church people who were welcoming and, yeah, yeah. good experience. Awesome. Um, I remember my first experience of going to church, I'd felt this overwhelming feeling of happiness and peace. And I wasn't sure at the time what it was, but now I know it was the Holy Spirit working on my heart. Awesome. That's yeah. so cool. So it just felt really different to what you'd experienced before. Yeah, I just, just felt I was overwhelmed and I was happy and I don't know, it was just a weird sort of feeling that I hadn't felt before. A few months before my 17th birthday, I became pregnant with our first son. Um, as soon as I found out I was pregnant, I stopped doing drugs and I was sick all the way through. Our parents were mostly supportive and on the 7th of Feb um, 2014 we welcomed our first son Elijah. Um, my husband had a bit more of trouble getting over the addictions but once he fully surrendered himself he was able to get the victory and quit. We were convicted that if we were going to live together and we had a child together we should get married so we could set an example to other young couples like ourselves. Yeah so something that you've just gone through is you've had your first child you're looking at maybe now having to get married yeah. um, and how old were you at the time? Oh, I was probably 17. Okay, so you were 17 when you had um, Elijah, and you're talking with your husband about getting married. And so we're going to take a little break here and then come back um, and hear the rest of your story. my desire to
welcome back to Faith FM with Robbie and Beck. Uh, we're just in the middle of testimony time and we're listening to Courtney's testimony and she's just been sharing how she's had her first child. She's 17, uh, maybe just about to turn 18 and her and her boyfriend have been really searching about faith and learning more about God. Uh, so what's happening at next? So um, a day after my 18th birthday, Broden took me away and Elijah for a family holiday to Cumberland River in Lawn in Victoria. Um, on the way there on the Great Ocean Road, he pulled over and he said, let's take a photo with the beach as the background. And um, I remember holding Elijah and he got down on his knee and he proposed to me. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, um, and about nine months later, we got married. Yeah. And we didn't have any funds or anything for a wedding and God provided everything for mm. us. It was really it was such a blessing. Yeah. Amazing. How did, um, how was one way that he provided for you? Like I just got my dress was provided for, mm -hmm. um, my hair and makeup was free. We got really cheap photography. Broden's suit and Elijah's suit was all paid for yeah. by someone else. Yeah. So in this journey where you were coming to know mm. God, um, you could see he was providing for you along yeah. the way. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Now that God was much more a part of our lives and we enjoyed going to church and family worship and bringing our son up in the way of God, we also welcomed a second child, a daughter, Lydia, on the 12th of January, 2016. And then we started to get baptismal studies after she was born and a few weeks after, before her first birthday, we were baptized. Yeah. Awesome. Um, we became mission focused and began Bible studies and started a food pantry. We ran regional days. Okay, so, cause you were living in a sort of more country area. Mm. Where, where were you living? Um, Maryborough, Victoria. Okay. So it was a smaller town. And yeah, a smaller town. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you started to want to do outreach. And yeah, so we just looked around and thought, you know, just we used our Faith FM. We didn't, Broden went out the front and he goes, what could we use? And he's like, oh, the Faith FM. So we started advertising that and letterboxing Faith FM flyers and I feel like Faith FM was our first, like, outreach. Yeah, that's amazing. I didn't know that. That's so cool. And now here you are sharing your testimony <laughs> on Faith FM. Um, yeah, and then we welcomed our third child. A second son, Joe Ash, and he was born in uh, Jan uh, December 2017. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then um, we had a couple of people approach us a couple of times about if my son, my husband would consider studying theology, uh, but each time God closed the door. Mm -hmm. um, in the beginning of 2019, the question came up again, and um, after lots of prayer, we started the process, and just God opened up all the doors okay for him for your husband yeah. Broden to study yeah. theology at yeah. Avondale so then what happened he just provided for the move mm -hmm. provided for you know we had to get new furniture and most of that was provided for and it was really good so he's provided everything and now that's yeah. where you're at that's yeah. you, I, I met you became um neighbors here and um I'm studying at college your husband's studying as well at Avondale yeah. University College um and it's so cool to hear your testimony of how God brought you from from not knowing him mm -hmm. and provided for you even in that time when you weren't sure and um, it's such an encouragement to me that sometimes we think we have to have our life all together yeah. to come to God um, but that God is seeking us the whole time as well and so thank you for sharing your story with us um, is there maybe sort of to finish up and, and um, something that you wanted to share with listeners or people who um, might be in the same position as you? What would something be you'd like to share and where are you maybe now with, with God? Um, well, I'm much more happier and peaceful in my life. Um, even if it has struggles, I can have faith that, you know, and peace of mind that God will strengthen me. 
uh, through any trial and he always has my back. I'll start by giving a Bible verse, Psalms 34, 18. Um, I'm going to use the NIV because I believe it has great wording for this verse. Um, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I can testify that this is true. Jesus saves. He will wrap his wonderful arms around you and comfort you in the times of sadness and hardship. And if you let him, he will do miraculous things in your life. He will bring a peace you have never experienced, a joy for life you didn't think possible, and a love that will not move you. Mm, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Psalm 34 is one of my favorite psalms as well. Um, so that's so, so cool to hear how God has worked in your life and that um, just because of our situation where we are and we were brought up doesn't mean that we can't be doing things now for God and God yeah. uses us in our experience. So I want to thank you, Courtney, for sharing your testimony today um, and just encourage our listeners that um, if they were moved by the testimony, if they have something that they want to learn more about, you can contact us um, at Faith FM. silent while the world raised its voice in loud and angry tones they took the lead but all across creation there's a rumbling in the hills as the chosen ones of God stand up to make his message known I'm gonna shout it from the housetops proclaim it from the mountain tops tell the world around me Jesus saves I have made my choice I'm gonna make a joyful noise the world will hear my voice Jesus saves the rocks and hills were ready to proclaim the Savior's might but the Spirit of the Lord said they should wait you see, God knew His children were ready to march on And proclaim His word throughout the land and seal the devil's fate But the word still tells us daily that God is not alive Salvation's plan is just a fairy tale But their lives don't change the truth that Jesus died for you and the word says he's returning It's happened any day I'm gonna shout it from the housetops Proclaim it from the mountaintops Tell the world around me Jesus saves I have made my choice I'm gonna make a joyful noise The world will hear my voice Jesus saves I'm gonna make a joyful noise 
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. You're listening to Faith FM. And uh, before we get into our Bible study section, where we are going to be looking at Samuel, it was great to hear from Courtney and hear her testimony today. But we're going to get into our, our study of Samuel here in a sec. But before we do that, we just wanted to remind you of what we always remind you at this time of the show, and that's that you can call in at any time with Bible questions Anytime during the show for our yes. question of the week segment, but something special. Oh, there week. is something very special this uh-huh. week. We don't get to do this all the time, but today we have a special giveaway happening. So if you have a Bible question that you'd like to call in or text in with, the first person to get their question of the week in this week is actually going to ge- receive, excuse me, a book, a free book. And the book is called The Complete Illustrated Children's Bible Atlas. Now, an atlas is a book of maps and pictures, etc., and so this is introducing the Bible in words, pictures, and maps. So again, the first person that we get to call in with a question for the question of the week today is going to receive that free giveaway of a children's Bible atlas. It looks really cool. I had a look at it before, and uh, if I was on... If I wasn't on air, I'd be calling it myself, let's be honest. <laughs> That's cool. So if you'd like to call in today with your uh, your Bible questions, etc., you can do so at 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or you can text in at 0491-0491, excuse me, 064-669. Or you can hit us up on Faith FM face it Facebook page. Man, it's such a mouthful every time I it struggle is. with that. Tricky, tricky, tricky. <laughs> That's all right. All right, now before we get into our Bible study, we're just going to have a word of prayer. Would mm-hmm. you like to pray for us, Beck? Yeah. Father God, we just come to you this afternoon, and I want to thank you that we're here together and we can study your word. And Lord, there's people who are listening all around, um, and we just ask that you be with them if they're driving, if they're at home, wherever they are. Um, we pray especially that your Holy Spirit will lead and guide this Bible study, and you'll bring understanding to our minds. And we pray that you'll speak to us through your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So today we're looking at the story of Samuel. And if you're wanting to follow along in a Bible, that's going to be in 1 Samuel, and we're going to start in chapter 2. But before we get into the actual story and reading from Scripture, we actually wanted to just give a little bit of a recap for some context. So Samuel was a young boy who was born to a lady named Hannah. Mm-hmm. It's spelled the same way forwards and backwards. It's a cool name. So Hannah has a really cool story. Hannah, well, it doesn't start out cool, but it ends cool. Hannah was the, the second wife of a man named Elkanah. Now, it wasn't that the first wife had gone away. It was that he had two wives. Not a great situation for Hannah, let's yeah. be honest. And truth be told, probably not for anybody in that situation. But what was going on there is that the other wife had children and Hannah had been barren. And so there was animosity going on from the other woman towards her, which, you know, it's kind of understandable in that context. There would be jealousy. There'd be all sorts of negativity happening in that space. But anyway, she came with the family. They came once a year to where the tabernacle was to make an annual offering to bring their sacrifices to God. And on this particular occasion, she comes and she's praying to God. And it says she weeps with anguish of soul. She can't eat and she's begging God to open her womb, so to speak, and give her a child. And she is there praying, and she can't, she's so distraught that she's praying, and she's just 
She's just mouthing words. She's not even saying anything. She's just speaking in her mind, in her heart, so, so to speak. And at this point, the priest comes, and he sees this woman, and he says to her, because he thinks she's drunk, Yeah. and he says to her, basically, what are you doing? It's like nine o'clock in the morning. And so she says, I'm not drunk. I'm just distressed. And so she's praying. And so the man sees, Eli the priest sees that her intention here is that she's actually very distraught. She's seeking God's assistance with something. And so she, he tells her, basically, uh, whatever it is that, that you're praying for, may God grant that to you. And what she'd been praying for was a son. Mm -hmm. And she said to God, if you give me a son, I will dedicate him to your service for the rest of his life. And so she prays, she goes away. It says after this, she went away, she cheered up, she, you know, she wasn't, she went back and she ate, she wasn't fasting anymore, she wasn't crying, she dried her tears. And the next time that they came, she'd had a son, correct? Yeah, so cool. Such an amazing story. So Samuel was an answer to prayer. Yeah. And Samuel was this son, she weaned him. I don't know exactly what age that is that she would have weaned him, but old enough to be able to go and not be with his mother, to be fed and to be taken, taken care of, but to be looked after by Eli and his family. And so at that age, which was as a, you know, under 10 for sure, she came and brought her son and left him there under the care of the priests, and he worked in the sanctuary. He was he was there to minister to the Lord, to be led into the life of a essentially a Levite, somebody who would work in the sanctuary. So it's a really interesting story, and it says that every year they would she would only be able to see her son about once a year. She would come, and each year she would have sewn him a new tunic yeah. for the year, and she would come and visit her son. And what a big sacrifice that truly would be. Um, but that's kind of the background of the story of Samuel. And so with that in the background of our minds, we know that Samuel is a young boy who is living and working with the priests, and he is serving God, learning to serve God as a young boy, mm -hmm. and that's where our story starts. So we're going to go into 1 Samuel chapter 2, and we're going to learn some more of the context of some things that happen around this time period as we find out how God leads in young Samuel's life and how he becomes the youngest prophet in all of the Bible. So if you're listening out there, kids, this is going to be an incredibly good story for you to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. All right, do you want to start off for us there, Beck, with verse 12? Yeah. Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling. Then he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, and the priest would take for himself all that the flesh hook brought up. So they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Also, before they burned the fat, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who sacrificed, Give meat for roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat from you but raw. And if the man said to him they should really burn the fat first, then you may take as much as your heart desires, he would then answer him, No, but you must give it now, and if not, I will take it by force. Therefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord." All right, so this is full on, man. Yeah. This is insane. So the the first thing that sticks out to me, and we were chatting about this while we were off air, but the first thing that's mentioned in this passage of Scripture, it's talking about Eli, his, he's the high priest, essentially, and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, I, I believe their names are, and these two young men are, well, they may not be young, they, but they're men, and it says something fascinating. They're priests. They're ministering between God and the people, and yet it says that they do not know 
the Lord. Yeah, mercy. It's such a heavy concept for me and something, um, yeah, very much to be aware of that you can be in God's service and not doing the right thing. Um, it's, yeah, it's a really, a really crazy thing. And sometimes God will bless in those circumstances, not necessarily those people, but that people can still be brought to him through the ministry that's happening, but it's such a risky thing to be involved in. And it does, it, yeah, it is, and it, it, it does not go well here. So, so what does it mean, right? Like they do not know the Lord. And what's going on here is that these people have been, they've been consecrated to God. They've been in a position of leadership and authority, and they're here to teach the people, to, to minister on behalf of the people. And they're, the way the priestly service worked was basically, well, part of it basically, there was a lot to it, but this is the, the, the shortened, condensed version. Basically, when they would bring, when people would bring their sacrifices, their offerings, their sin offerings, their burnt offerings, their meal offerings, their grain offerings, etc., these things, a portion of that was to be given to the priest. Yeah, to feed a, them. Right? That's exactly right. That's mm-hmm. how they were fed. So the priests, they didn't get their own land to farm. Their family trade was to actually work in the ministry to the nation of Israel. And so in this space, the people are bringing these things to them and they're saying, hey, the way that God has ordained the, the, the sacrifices to take place and for us to take a portion of that, he says, no, 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 that's not good enough. We want to take it this way now beforehand. And the people would say, no, 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 hold on. God called and said when it was spelled out to Moses, this is how you do this. You're not doing the right thing. You're doing it wrong. And he says, no, you shouldn't be doing that. And he say, no, 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 no. You give it to us now. Otherwise, if you don't give it to me right now my way, I'm going to take it from you by force. Yeah, basically, I'm going to steal it from you. This is insane, right? So just imagine this. Like, like This is hard for us to understand in a Western world. Their understanding would have been, if I don't participate in the sacrifices, well, then how do I access, access God, right? And then you go to the priest who's the person who God has called to be the one who is leading you to God, right? And so you bring your things and they're doing it wrong and you know that they're doing it wrong, but you have no authority to change anything. Mm. And so what happens here is that it says the people began to despise the offering of God. And so people are now walking away from the very thing that God had put in place to teach them about how forgiveness works future through Jesus Christ. Yeah. They're misrepresenting God and they're misrepresenting Jesus and it's actually turning people away from the church. Now, does that sound familiar? Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that I was just thinking of that, man, how heavy it is. And um, not something that we can in terms of what we've done, but wanting to apologize to people who've had this experience. And for mm. any times I've been that kind of person where where in anything I've said or done has misrepresented God to people mm. um, through me trying to, trying to demonstrate but do it wrong. And, and here especially, I'm just thinking of people who've had a really, uh, really – heavy story with the church maybe or with with somebody involved in church ministry and how they've been impacted maybe negatively and i just wanted to apologize to them on the behalf mm. of of people who've done that to them and and they've not represented god right and caused hurt and pain and that that isn't god and that was wrong that was what was done to them fully and i think it also highlights an important fact for those of us who are in any kind of role of Christian leadership. And by the way, if you call yourself a Christian, you are in a position of leadership because you're a witness. And when people hear that you're a Christian, your life becomes an example of what a Christian is. And so when we fail to represent God, which we all do, but we these men were intentionally doing so, 
and they were abusing their power and their authority, it misrepresented God. And we should all be mindful and very, very prayerful in talking to God about this. I feel super convicted as I read that, right? Yeah, like, I was thinking about it. What are the times where I have misrepresented God? Because I'm sure there are, time, there are times where I've done that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, let, now let's keep reading. Let's read from verse 18 through 21. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child, wearing a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, The Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord. Then they would go to their own home. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the, Lord, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. I love this. There's this just... It's almost like a little parenthetical statement, right? You're talking about these two priests that are doing the wrong thing and leading people away from God, away from his, his work, etc. And then the, the next word is but, right? And sometimes that's a terrible word. Like it, it comes in and you're like, oh, this is great news, but this is the bad news. Yeah. But here it's, this is the bad news, but God had good news that he was preparing. And that good news was going to come through a boy named Samuel. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And so he's growing. And we're going to hear more about Samuel. We're racing to get to Samuel. So let's keep reading. And let's find out before we race to Samuel, like before you can get to good news, because it's hard to understand how good good news is until you really understand how bad the bad news is. So let's keep reading. Let's read from verse 22 through 25. Now Eli was very old and he heard everything his sons did to all Israel and how they lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So he said to them, Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. No, my sons, for it is not a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. If one man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father because the Lord desired to kill them. All right, so this is full on, man. So it wasn't as bad. It wasn't just as bad as uh, oh, we're 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 not treating the the sacrifices with the right level of respect. It actually goes incredibly further beyond that. It says that it came to Eli's attention that his sons, who were the priests, were involved in sexually illicit relationships through the priesthood. This is full on, and we know that this is hugely, hugely damaging. Right? This is a position of authority. This is a totally inappropriate thing. They're misrepresenting God. They're taking advantage of people. They're abusing people for their own gain. And we know that historically, this has been one of the greatest reasons for people not coming to the church or for leaving the church. And what they're doing is they throw everything out with the sin of the leader. And this is huge because this has led many people to reject Jesus, not because they have a problem with Jesus, but they have a problem with the leaders who have been involved in really immoral things. And these things have long-lasting and damaging impacts on the people that experience this kind of abuse. And so this is this is hectic, and we're going to keep following in on what's going to happen because God's going to step mightily into this picture. This is Michael Card, Know You in the Now.
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. You're listening to Faith FM. And uh, we just wanted to remind you that today, for Question of the Week, if you are the first caller in for Question of the Week, you will receive a free book. And that free book is a children's atlas, complete illustrated children's Bible atlas. This is a mouthful. So a Bible atlas with all sorts of colored images and maps and pictures of things about the Bible, especially ideal for kids. But hey, if you're not a kid and you call in first, it's still yours. So... We want to encourage you to call in with your questions this week, and they are available from calling this number, <laughs> 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or you can text in at 491 or message into our Facebook page. So 
Anyway, how about somebody's how about we, making we symbols the, at me in there? The text in number again, Robbie, just in case someone had a question. All right. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I was too fast. I see it. Zero four nine one zero six four double six nine. Oh yeah. Oh four nine one double six four. No zero six four double six nine. Oh man, don't make me go too slow. I'll forget it. All right. Let's get back into our Bible study. So Woo! we ended on a bit of a heavy note. Yeah. So Hophni and Phineas are engaging in immoral, illicit behavior. And we know that this has been, you know, statistically this impacts about one in four women uh, and maybe one in six men from memory. This is a huge thing, and this is lifelong detriments. And what I want to highlight here is that God was not okay with that. Mm -mm. And what we find out in the stories we're about to read is that God took this incredibly seriously. And when, when the church failed to take this seriously, God put those people out of the church, yeah. essentially. And that's what we're about to find out. And the reason I want to highlight this is just because God does not, the God of the Bible is not a, a God who is in the business of just accepting behavior that is not acceptable, right? We talk a lot about the grace and the forgiveness of God, which is available to everyone who's willing to repent. But the key there is repent, Yeah. right? God does not say, oh, you're forgiven, and then you can continue to do this damaging behavior. And what we notice in this story is that they've had opportunity to repent, but it comes to a point where he's saying, no, no, they need to be removed. And there are times when you can still be forgiven, but need to be removed from authority. Absolutely. And that's what's going to take place here momentarily. So let's keep reading. Let's find out about the good news that's coming in a moment. So let's keep reading from verse 26 onward. And the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor both with the Lord and men. Then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod before me? And did I not give to the house of your father and all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling place, and honor your sons more than me, to make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people? Therefore, the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me, for those who honor me I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming that I will cut off your arm and the arm of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your house. All right, we're going to pause there. Okay, just to clarify, when he said, I'm going to cut off your arm, he's not talking literally about the dude's arm. In the Hebrew, the word is talking about strength, right? And so God is actually saying to Eli through this man of God, he sends a prophet to speak to the priest, right? The priest should be able to be hearing, hearing from God himself, but he seems to be too distant to be actually willing to pay attention to God's voice. So God raises up a different prophet to come and speak to Eli, the priest, to convict him of the wrong that he has done. Yeah. So notice this. Did Eli attempt, when he heard what was going on, to address the situation? Yeah, he did. Somewhat. He didn't take a hard enough hand. You know, he sort of talked to his son and said, what are you doing? But it doesn't seem that he what he did had any effect. Mm, that's right. And you know, sometimes sometimes the discipline that is necessary to save someone from the wrong that they're doing is actually a little bit more, uh, what shall I say, a little bit more... Hurt feelings. Well, yeah, it, but it needs to be a bit more strict, a bit more harsh. Like, so these men are doing something that's heinous, 
and they should be immediately removed. Yeah. But Eli is not willing to immediately remove them. Now, we might think to ourselves, oh, you know, that's that's grace. But there are some instances where you can extend grace to a person and still remove them from a position where they are hurting people. Because it's not just that they were hurting people, but they were doing things that were hurting the image of God as well as the people they were hurting. Yeah. And so people are actually now leaving because of this issue. This is, which... It should never have gotten that far. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It should have been dealt with as soon as it was heard about. They should have been removed from office. because Not because there's no room for grace or for forgiveness, but because sometimes the nature of the sin that is committed requires that you be removed from leadership. Yeah. It disqualifies you for that role. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you're not able to repent and be forgiven by God, but it can mean that you are not qualified to be in that position any longer. Yeah. And, and that's Eli, perfectly okay. Eli was well aware of this. Um, and I think thinking about that, I remember hearing the, the different ages for the priests and Eli was beyond the age of what a priest should be, but he was staying in office because he knew his sons weren't suitable for the task. So he was staying and holding on because he was leading but he wasn't leading well enough Mm, that's exactly right all right so there's the bad news we've gone through the bad news and it's pretty bad but now comes the good news part of that good news comes with the fact that these people are going to be removed from this position and part of the good news is that god says in this prophecy he says i'm going to raise up a priest who will do the right things Mm -hmm. and who will stand up and now the next question is so who is it that god is going to raise up and that's where the story gets really, really exciting. So let's go to Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. Awesome. Okay, what is going on here? This is super interesting, and this is the this is where the story gets really exciting. Yeah, it's nighttime, and it seems to be um, Samuel is falling asleep, or he's in the throes of going to fall asleep, and he hears a voice, and he thinks the voice calling him is Eli, that he doesn't know anyone else in the area who would be calling him. So he's like, oh, and he, he gets up and he runs to Eli, um, his, his leader, and he says, what do you want? And Eli is also asleep, and he says, I, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. You must be having dreams, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. totally. <laughs> so that happens um, three times, and at the moment we've seen it happen uh, two times, and Samuel then goes back to Eli the third time, and Eli's like, well, hold on, wait, no, no, you're jumping ahead. We have gotten there yet. Oh, no, I haven't read it. No, no, don't get too far. Don't get too far. So so Eli, just imagine, put yourself in Eli's shoes. You're like snoring, carrying on, having a good, having a good sleep. And here comes this boy and he's just coming. And he's like, hey, here I am. You called me. You're like, oh, what are you talking about, right? So he sends him back. And then the second time, he's like, come on, what are you doing? Go back to bed, kid. We got to work tomorrow. But what I love about this is that it says that Samuel did not yet know the Lord, mm-hmm. right? 
So again, Samuel's ministering, but he doesn't have a personal experience, a personal knowledge of God just yet. And it also says that God's word had not yet been revealed to him. Yeah. Right? So he had not heard God speak to him before. But we had just heard before that there was a prophecy placed that God was going to raise up a new prophet Mm -hmm. to be a godly priest for the people of Israel. And the question is, if Eli's not speaking to Samuel, then who is? And before we get into the next part, I just want to highlight, there is something else that's strange going on, which paints the picture a little bit clearer. Where did it seem to suggest that Samuel was sleeping? Yeah, it seems to suggest that he's sleeping um, near the ark. Okay, the Ark of the Covenant. Now, now refresh me. The Ark of the Covenant is where whose presence comes and meets with mankind. This is where God's presence comes and meets with mankind, and only the high priest was actually allowed in there. Isn't that interesting? And so, just to add to the complexity of how poorly the priests were doing their job, Samuel is given a place where he is sleeping now in the actual tabernacle, a place where he should not ever have been. Yeah. And God is merciful to Samuel. And doesn't have any problem with Samuel, who's being raised in a position where he doesn't know any better. And God is merciful to him, but he's holding those who know the right thing accountable. So super interesting part of the story here. Um, Yeah, fascinating. But we're going to get right back into the next part of the story here in a moment. But before that, any other thoughts on that passage? Yeah, just that um, Samuel is very attentive to the voice that he hears, and he keeps on going. And so something that's a blessing is that he listens and he acts even though he doesn't know the answer yet. This is Will Morrison, The Lion and the Lamb.
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. You're listening to Faith FM. And uh, Beck's got a plug for us on the question of the week. Now remember, yes. question of the week doesn't have to be related to the study today. It can be about anything, anywhere in the Bible. It can also just be a question about God um, that you'd like to explore, yeah. like for us to explore on air. So what's this giveaway I keep hearing about? Yes, <laughs> the giveaway is a children's book. It's a Bible atlas, um, which has got colors, pictures, maps. It's really cool. So you could either use it for yourself. You could use it for kids that you know. Um, so we'd love for you to call in with a question. And you can do that by calling 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or you can text us on 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. Or you can go to our Facebook page, Faith FM Australia. Awesome. So we're getting right back into this. So we were left on a bit of a cliffhanger there. So Samuel has woken up twice. He's heard somebody calling out his name. Yes. Just imagine that. Imagine if you, as, as 10, 12 years old, and you're sleeping and you just you hear your name. You know, somebody calls out Beck or somebody calls out, insert your name here, right? <laughs> Not that literally, but just inserts your name. Um how would you feel? How would you respond? Like the first thing you would do is you go and see, oh, well, surely one, my, one of my parents yeah. or my carers, whoever it is that's looking after me, Eli in this case, I'm going to go find it out. Yeah, he obviously, Samuel responded thinking that that was, it was someone that he knew. You wouldn't, they know your voice, so they know, they know your name, they know you, they're calling you by name, which usually invokes some familiarity there. Totally. And so this has happened twice. Now, Eli's kind of frustrated probably. He's like, what are you doing waking me up, kid? But just imagine Samuel, like, who in the world? What are you talking about, Eli? You called me. Yeah. Uh, somebody said my name. You're the only dude around. Who called me? Mm -hmm. It's you. Yeah. Stop being silly. Yeah. Like, you'd be getting frustrated as Samuel, too. And so he goes back and he goes and lies down. And let's continue from verse 8. Yeah. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. 
And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. All right, let's pause there. So how many times has God actually called little Samuel, a young boy, by name? So this is four times. Four times, right? He, he didn't give up. He didn't forget or change his mind. God has a plan to use Samuel for his glory. And Samuel is not an adult. Samuel is not even a teenager. Samuel is not a person of high importance. Mm -hmm. He's not in a position of power or authority, but God has chosen him to be his mouthpiece and has plans for him. And he chose him from the time he was a child. Yeah. It's so beautiful. And it's such a beautiful picture because our worth never comes from what we do or don't do. And our, our fitness for a task comes from God choosing us to be fit for a task. And I think that that's such a beautiful thing with Samuel is that he gets chosen to be fit for a task, even though he hasn't really done the things yet. He doesn't know God. And it's such a beautiful thing. Oh, it is so beautiful because this is the way God responds and deals with all of us. Mm -hmm. He doesn't call us because we're fit. He calls us because he has a plan. Yeah, amen. And if you're listening and you are a... Are a, are a you know, you're not yet a teenager, and particularly, I want to just address this to you, that God still has plans for you. You don't have to wait till you're an adult. I was just reading from one of my favorite um, religious writers previously this week, and it was talking about, hey, children who are as young as 8, 10, 12 years old, they can fully grasp and understand what sin is and how salvation works and be a witness for Jesus Christ. Yep. And God has plans for you. It doesn't matter how old you are. God has plans for you. Mm-hmm. And he knows you by name and he's ready to call yeah. so that he can reveal those plans to you. All Samuel did was be ready, mm -hmm. right? Like, mm -hmm. what else can you do? He just waited. Yeah, and right? he was he was ministering with what he knew before. That's exactly you know, right. He didn't fully have this experience with God, but he was doing what he could do with what he had. Oh, it's such a good point. If you want to be ready for what God is calling you to do in the future, the big plans mm. that he's going to reveal, be faithful what with what he has placed in your hands now. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. All right, let's keep reading. So God gives him this message. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hear it will tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's sons shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. All right, so check this out. God is giving him a difficult message to pass on. Yeah. Basically the message is, hey, I'm going to make something happen. Did you notice what he said? That'll make both ears tingle of everybody who hears it. Not just one, but both ears. Mm. And he says, this is what's going to happen. Eli's sons they're going to be they're going to be cast out, and he says they've actually gotten past the point where they're they're not even capable of of repenting. They've they're just so far down the track, it's over, mm -hmm. right? They're not even thinking about this option. And now Samuel goes back to sleep. Right? Can you imagine the burden of having that message to deliver to this guy? Hey, God says your sons are going to your sons are out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. So heavy, and I think um. Yeah, just a really challenging thing. I don't think he really would have got a lot of sleep that night from my perspective. Yeah, I reckon. I reckon. First time ever hearing from God and then that happens. Whoa, that's full on. But let's keep reading to the rest of the story. So Samuel lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, here I am. And he said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. 
God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. Then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. So Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And the next verse. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. All right, this is so cool, man. This is so cool. So so he delivers the message faithfully. That would not have been easy, right? Yeah, I, Nobody I, wants to be the bearer of bad I news. I get a sense Eli knew him at this point, and he says, don't hide anything from me. He could sense that it wasn't good, yeah. and he knew that. Well, um, and think about this from Eli's perspective hadn't God spoken to him before and now he's gotten a message from someone else and now he's calling a child Mm -hmm. rather than speaking directly to Eli. Yeah. He knows something's up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that it's something um, that shows me at least Eli was trying to accept God and what God had said. And he said, it is good. Um, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And he's sort of realizing he's like, I've made a mistake and God is doing the right thing in this Mm. situation. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful stuff. And then this is the coolest part of the whole story, in my opinion. Yeah. My humble opinion. Mm -hmm. Then at the end, it's talking about some different stuff. And it says that the Lord appeared in Shiloh, right? And so it seems to be implying that during the time where Eli and his sons were, were, were ruling in this place, they had started off, Eli had started off in the right space, but eventually he's, he's slowly walking away from that responsibility. Mm Mm-hmm. And God's presence was seeming to not be revealed in that way. Mm-hmm. And he's not speaking through the people, but God chose somebody who was a willing vessel who was ready for that. And he raised him up and he starts speaking to the people through yeah. Samuel. Beautiful. And so from this position where the people were despising the, the sacrifices of the Lord, they were leaving the church, they were walking away from God's structure that was designed to lead them to Jesus. And now... God's speaking through Samuel and through this young boy mm-hmm. who is faithful to God, who's delivering God's message, the word of the Lord begins to go out to all Israel again. Yeah. So beautiful. So cool. And I love it because it says the Lord revealed himself. And so he's showing himself to the people through this little boy. And I'm wondering if, if they're getting this hope gaining and everything because they all knew and they're like, Samuel is... God is, God is back with us, and I feel like this renewed hope would be happening. Oh, totally, right? And how many times has it been, you know, they say out of the mouths of babes, right? They, they, they speak the truth out of a mouth of a child, mm-hmm. and it just is so impactful. And so it's really powerful what's going on here that it's through the mouth of a child that God is speaking and reformation is taking place. Yeah. It's so, so powerful. And it reminds me of this passage in Second Timothy, sorry, First Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, And it says this, it says, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. It's not your age that matters. It's how you respond to God's call.
awesome. I'm curious, what time is it, Liam? Question of the week. Awesome. So thank you guys for calling in. I just wanted to first give a shout out to Eugene, who was our first caller in for question of the week this week. And uh, I hope that you enjoy, Eugene, your awesome, complete illustrated children's Bible atlas. I hope that it's a blessing to you and to whoever you might share it with as Mm -hmm. well. Um, and hopefully we'll have time to get to your question. We've got, a, we've got a few questions coming in this week. And the first question is the one from uh, Peter from last week. So thanks for calling in, Peter. It was in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. Many Bible commentaries are not in agreement about what the Sabbath day or Sabbaths or Sabbath days is being referred to in this passage. And even various translations use three different forms. And so we're going to try and address that. First thing I'd say, Peter, is this is probably one of the most debated of the passages regarding Sabbath in the Bible, Mm -hmm. um, because it's one of the least clear when you look at it just flat on the page. And so what we will also do is we're going to do a quick run through of, of what that means and why, but we're going to put up a link on our Facebook page to a couple of articles that you can explore further if you'd like. So if this is of interest to anyone, this will be up on our Facebook page afterwards. Mm -hmm. So let's read the passage first, and then we will go from there. So in Colossians 2, verse 16 and 17, it says, So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Now, this is a really interesting passage of Scripture, and it's interesting for a variety of reasons, but Colossians is a book where there was there's very strong language that Paul is using about some sort of what we might call a heresy, mm-hmm. some false teaching that is being brought into the church at Colossae, and it's, it's, very, it's very uncertain exactly what that looks like. Scholars have been undecided on this. There's maybe four or so ideas that are most prevalent about what the issue was, but the, the fact of the matter is we don't know exactly what was going on. Yeah. And that makes it hard for us to make a, a, a very specific answer to a number of the questions about Colossians. But there are some things that we can really draw out of this. So first of all, there is a key here in the context of shadows. So in this passage, it uses what's called a chiastic structure. And for those of you who are not happy with those kinds of terms, that's just like, whoa, too much. It basically means that there's a Hebrew poetry style where they do their poems like a pyramid. And the base of the pyramid is the first verse and the last verse. And then you go up a step. And so the first verse and the last verse are talking about similar things or they're connected. Then the second verse and the second to last verse are connected. And then the third verse and the third to last verse are connected. And then you get to the one in the middle and that's the main point that they're trying Mm -hmm. to make. And so there's a chiastic structure going on in here. And what's interesting is that this passage where it talks about this shadow is talking about something that connects to another section of the passage. And that section is, let me just have a quick look here on my notes, sorry. Um, let no one pass judgment. Sorry, <laughs> too many things in front of me to look at. Um, let no one pass judgment. It's corresponding back to something where it says, in him, Jesus, the Godhead dwells bodily. You are completed in him. So it's connecting back to this body. And so in this book, it's actually talking a lot about the, 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 the purpose of Christ, the nature of Christ, and it defends him. One is the creator. And then it talks about how he and his body is the actual sacrifice for sin rather than the mosaic template 
of sacrificing animals, which was only ever a shadow pointing forward. Mm-hmm. And in, in, in the language, it means more foreshadowing of the real thing. We see this confirmed in Hebrews, and we see this confirmed in Ephesians, and we see this confirmed in Hosea um, and some other connections. Oh, man, my time's running quick. So, oh, we can get more time. We might get a little more time. But the main thing that I want to point out here is that when it's talking about this, in the Greek, the word sabbata generally is referring to the Sabbath only when it's got the definite article with it. So, the and what's going on here is that that's not the case, right? And so we've got this challenge in this text of how do we determine this because there's debate among scholars among the Greek. So we have to actually look at the greater context to really come up with a fair answer. And so when we look at this, there are a couple of verses that we need to look at in Scripture that relate. One of these is that there's another place where Paul talks about these things, and that's in Ephesians chapter 2, and the linguistics are actually strongly connected. So in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15, it's talking about Jesus. Well, we'll start in verse 14. It says, For he, Jesus himself, is our peace, who has made both one, the Gentiles and the Jewish Christians, mm-hmm. one. Breaking, he has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh, notice where the abolition takes place, in Jesus' flesh, because he becomes the sacrifice for sin. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, what is the enmity? the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And the key here is that word ordinances, which appears in Colossians chapter 2, and it regards circumcision in Colossians chapter 2. And what we know from the Greek of that word is that that is always referring to this handwriting. Mm -hmm. And so it's not referring to God's moral code, which was referred to throughout the New Testament as the law of liberty, but it's actually referring to the Mosaic law. So the key here is to note that the Sabbath was not included in the Mosaic law. It was included in the moral law. Mm -hmm. And it was also not a foreshadowing of Jesus it was actually pointing back to the creation. It's a memorial that God created the world in six days and mm-hmm. rested the seventh day. And what's interesting to note is that in Colossians 2, one of the key things that it talks about, or maybe not two, but in Colossians 1 and 2, is it talks about Jesus as the beginning of all creation. Mm-hmm. And so what's really fascinating about this is that Paul is going to a strong degree to make it very plain that Jesus is the creator and so he's not therefore turning around in the next breath and then saying, let's forget about how we remember our creator. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more that we could go into, but I'm looking at the time and we're running out. So I will put an article up that goes through this in way more detail, mm-hmm. um, linked up on the Facebook page, and you can check that out. But the short answer is there is debate amongst scholars, but the evidence weighs very much heavily on the side of these are speaking about the festivals, mm-hmm. right? The first festivals that's mentioned in the passage is talking about the pilgrimage festivals. Mm-hmm. That's the same word that's used, which is the, the, you know, the Feast of Tabernacles, the ones where they would come to Jerusalem. The word Sabbath that's used at the end is referring to the, the, the festivals that are not pilgrim festivals, mm-hmm. such as the Day of Atonement, etc. Yeah. Cool. Our second question is from Eugene, and that question is, oh, by the way, I hope that's a blessing to you, Peter. I hope that helps answer your question. Eugene's question is, what is the sin against the Holy Spirit? 
Yeah. The Bible says seven sins can be forgiven, but the sin against the Holy Spirit cannot be forgiven. All right. So I've got about a minute and a half, so we're going to race through this really quickly. So it talks about the, the Holy Spirit. Um, if you sin in Matthew chapter 12, it says, Therefore, I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. And so you think, why can't it be forgiven? Because there are sins that seem to be worse. But what we find what the role of the spirit actually gives us the answer. So in John chapter 16, verse eight, the Bible reads, and when he has come talking about the Holy spirit, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And so the spirit's role is to convict us of sin and to lead us to repentance, to lead us to God. The sin that can't be forgiven is the sin that we don't repent for. And so if the Holy Spirit is leading you to repent and trying to convict you, but you rebel against the Spirit and you ignore what the Holy Spirit says, then you cannot be forgiven of that sin, of any sin, because you're ignoring what the Spirit says. So basically, in a nutshell, the answer is that ignoring, continually, continually ignoring the Holy Spirit until a point where you can no longer hear His voice means that you can't be forgiven for a sin because you're not responsive to God. God's call anymore. It's not that he won't forgive you, but you've chosen not to be forgiven. That's it. That's a great answer. I like to think of it like this. You know, you've got somebody knocking on the door and you can hear them, Mm -hmm. but as you ignore it, you ignore it, you ignore it. You kind of just lose the ability to actually hear it because you've wandered so far from being able to hear it that you can't hear it anymore. Mm -hmm. So let's repent today. This is Jaden Lavick, Turn Your Eyes. darkness you see there's a light for a look at the savior and life more abundant and free turn your eyes upon jesus look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strange of His glory and grace Through death into life everlasting He passed and we follow Him there Over us in no more had dominion For more than conquerors we are And turn your eyes upon Jesus Look full in His wonderful face And the things of earth will grow strangely dim In the light of His glory and grace His grace And His glory Shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him, and all will be well. And go to a world that is dying, his perfect salvation to tell. And turn your eyes upon Jesus, 
Look full in his wonderful face And the things of earth will grow strangely dear In the light of his glory In the light of his glory Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. You're listening to Faith FM. And uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for your questions. It's been a real blessing to have a look at those with yeah. you. Again, if uh, if you wanted to look more into that question on Colossians, because it's, it's quite a complex question um, in terms of the actual scholarly look at it, uh, we will be placing an article up there that you can explore at your leisure if you'd like a little bit more time to look at that. We've come to that time of the show where we're going to try and draw out some real life applications. Mm. Now, I've, we've done a bit of that throughout the show, but yeah. we want to specifically focus on what can we learn out of this. And I'd like to start by focusing on the kids. Mm-hmm. What are some lessons we can draw out here about children who want to know Jesus? Yeah, absolutely. I just want to say that they're, you're never too young. You're never too young to be oh, used I love by that. God. And it's such a blessing and an encouragement that wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you can be used by God. Um, one of my little next door neighbors actually comes across to me and she's, oh, I can't remember. It must be like mm, four or five. And she comes across and wants to do Bible study with me. And so I love it because she's so excited to share God wherever she goes. And so I just want to encourage people that no matter how old you are, you can be used by God. You're never too young. That's awesome. Yeah, I, so good. So good. And I think something that that is really powerful to, for me to remember is that children are available to learn who Jesus is, right? I don't have to wait till you, you know, if you've got kids, you don't have to wait till they're 15 before you start telling them about Jesus or mm-hmm. teaching them about salvation. They're ready to learn those things from a young age because children are very smart, they're very capable. And um, sometimes we really underestimate their ability to process and mm-hmm. reason. And um, yeah, so I just want to encourage the parents out there too to respond to the kids and take take kids seriously when they want to learn about these things. Give them the opportunity. Yeah. And um, man, some of the most powerful things I've ever heard have come out of the mouths of kids, right? Mm-hmm. People younger than me often teach me regularly. So that's an awesome thing. So cool. Something else that I think is important to draw out of this study is something that we learned about some of the older people. And one of those things is that you can be called by God, ordained by God, just like Eli was, just like his sons were, and you can fail mm-hmm. to stay in that relationship. You know, this this speaks directly against the belief that once I accept Jesus, there's no opportunity for me to ever have free choice to walk away again. And, you know, people often refer to that as once saved, always saved. But the, the biblical basis is, is, is all throughout Scripture that we are free from mm-hmm. start to finish. We can choose to respond to God's grace, and we can also choose to stop responding to God's grace. And in this story, Eli and his sons, they have stopped responding to God's grace, mm-hmm. and they walk away. It's not God that's in the position of saying, you're not allowed to be here. It's that they've they've done what you, basically what you were talking about just before with Eugene's question. They've re- not responded to the Holy Spirit to the point where they're not willing to even listen to Him anymore. Mm-hmm. And so we should all take stock in that. And while, while the day is today, make the most of it. We can respond to God's grace right now. So mm-hmm. if you're in a place in your life where you, you, know, you need to respond to God's grace, 
you recognize that you've been called, but you're not fulfilling the calling. You're 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 doing something that is that is misappropriating God's ministry in that space. I want to just beseech you on behalf of Jesus: repent, mm. confess your sins to God, take the right step, and walk away from those things so that you can do the right thing and not misrepresent God. Mm-hmm. I think that's something we should all take stock in, and particularly those of us in positions of leadership. Yeah. Absolutely. That was um, one of my applications that I'll just sort of bounce off the back of Robbie's is that sometimes religious leaders um, and, and Christians get it wrong. And sometimes they're not following God and they're making mistakes or they're actually choosing to, to sin and make an error. And so I want to say to those people, the same thing as Robbie, um, we've all done things that we've made mistakes, but if you need to, and this is an opportunity for you to ask God for forgiveness and repent and turn away from that. Um, the second part to that is that for the, the people who've had these things done to them or had a very poor example, please don't use it as an excuse to leave God. Maybe sometimes there are situations where you need to leave a church or a building or a particular place in time, um, but don't use it as a reason to leave God. It's not him that's doing this. Continue to be faithful and to serve him, just like Samuel was. Um, he used that opportunity. He could have walked away as well. Samuel could have seen what was going on, but he stayed and he ministered and God used him mightily. So I want to encourage you, if you've had things done that should not have been done, um, that you continue to follow God because he has a plan for you. Um, And my final application is maybe you're like Samuel and you want to serve, but you don't know enough and you want a relationship. So if you want to have a relationship with God, I encourage you that today to ask him um, into your heart so that you can have a relationship with you and say, Lord, I want to know you. I want to follow you. And if you want to know more, get in contact with us here at Faith FM and we can lead you down the steps for that. That's right, or we can put you in touch with a local church or somebody who would like to share the Word of God with you and, and go on that journey with you. You might be anywhere in Australia or who knows, around the world, um, but there's nowhere that God's God's hand does not reach. Amen. So um, just one other note on that, and I think that this is a really important thing. I think it's really important for us to recognize that forgiveness can be given without a leadership position being continued. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is something that we as a church need to recognize that there are times when people have done things that can be forgiven by God, can be forgiven by man, but still disqualify us for certain roles mm-hmm. and that that's okay because there are consequences that we see in scripture. Um, anyway, may God bless you guys. We are actually going to be out for a week. The, there's a, a, a shutdown happening, a power outage here at the radio station next week. So the guys from Victoria will be taking that over. But in the meantime, we pray that you will be well. And just remember, real faith is lived faith. faith.